Welcome to Menswear by a Woman um, podcast, and I have Kenny McCrack. Sorry, Kenny, I being dyslexic, right? Is one of the worst thing, right? Trying to pronounce names. Um, can I get you to pronounce your name? I'm so sorry in case I say it wrong. You can, you can. Don't worry, I'm on. The, I take photographs for a reason. I'm as dyslexic as a bat as well. Um, anyway, my second name is McCracken. Thank you. So it's Kenny McCracken, and um, who is a photographer film producer, creator, and as you've heard him already saying his surname, apologies again, Kenny. Welcome to Menswear by a Woman, second season. Here come the men. <laughs> how are how you? Are how are you, Kenny? I'm very well, yeah. I'm very well. So, how did it all begin? <laughs> Should I say well, that? I a, uh, yeah, I've had, a, I've had a weird... It's been kind of weird how I got to here because I went through so many different things. I kind of messed around for years from being back in Scotland and studying architecture to start with, but oh, not wow. being very Well, I wasn't really architecture. I ended up getting the wrong information from schooling and right. ended up having to do like an architectural technicianship, which was okay. a two-year ND thing, which was all just like the dimensions of a stair and all that kind of stuff, which what was fine. And, and if I was older, I'd have probably really enjoyed it. But at that point, I was just a young kid. So it was all very boring. So I packed that in and then ended up working in nightclubs in Glasgow. So I spent a good part of my youth having fun, basically, kicking around Glasgow in a multitude of different nightclubs. And then I realised very quickly that I was going to kill me because it comes along with not very much sleep and lots of everything else. So... I was like, right, time to move on. And that's when I decided to go as far south as I could and get to Brighton, right. which is where I'm at at the moment. I've never really left Brighton. But, that, but I went, came down here to, originally to study photography, which is what I did. So I did a two-year ND and then a three-year degree at Brighton Uni and then got a record deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I up, I so I ended up spending like a decade with two different bands and... Um, in the music industry so I I stepped away from all of this having done all that studying five years of education and then I'd always tinkered with music and all of a sudden I got signed up Um, and then I packed in the first one and thought right that's it I'm going back to photography and had a band just for fun and then it got signed so I ended up doing it all again so it wasn't until about really about 12 years ago that I properly jumped out of the music industry and into photography full-time and then that kind of one thing led to another because by the time I because I studied it was all film right yeah, so yeah. my craft on basically 5-4 film that's what I used to shoot on loads and then I jumped ship obviously to the music industry when I come back I'd missed all that crossover between digital and film so everything was digital and having then just got my hands on a digital camera which obviously did filming at the same time so that kind of opened that gate for me and then right. you know the rest is history really just you work on DSLRs and then you slowly build up and you know now we'll be working on you know, wow. proper cinema cameras through to DSLRs depending on what the client wants right okay it's really weird because I, I came across your film for Dawson's um, The Jeans Company 
Um, yeah. And and I saw that um, film and I thought, wow, and I loved it. And I think that's when I started to follow you and begin and started to send you messages and get could you come on my podcast please and you said yeah you said hell yeah which was like brilliant but I must admit um the images the photos the film creations amazing absolutely amazing so well done on those um and do you find it easier to work with women's wear or men's wear um easy with with whatever really because I've got I, I don't as much as people always have said to me, you know, do you focus on one thing? And I don't. Yeah. I do hair shoots, I do product shoots, I do portraits, I do fashion stuff. Yeah. And I tend to zip around between all the genres, which, you know, they do say if you want to be a master at anything, you just stick to one. Yeah. But what the devil? I th- do you know what? Actually, having this pandemic has proven to me anyway that I've made the right decision because now I have plenty of my hands and so many different pies that I can flip from one to the other and they all inform each other you know yeah I did a shoot like last week a three-day shoot for a cycling company and um, it's, a, it's a really kind of stylized it's lovely stuff I'm not a cyclist but I was out shooting and it's the, these products have got this fantastic fabric on it yeah and just the way that I like that was re- very reminiscent of how I like denim so it's you know the, the, there's crossover there and then it's it wasn't necessarily about the cycling shorts. It was more about the feel of the shorts. Yeah. But I think they all kind of, you know, the, the mix and match, really. I saw the images of that, actually, of that shoot. Um, I saw it and, it was, it was, you know, I think it was on your story. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I quite liked it. And, and, and I thought, wow, that, that looks amazing. Do you find it um, with the creation, um, creativity, right? How do you get a, go about it? <sighs> Well, if I was left to my own devices, I would be in heaven, really. But there's these <laughs> things are all kind of through multiple agencies. Yeah. So there'll be a creative agency that will come up with concepts. And then you're basically a tool for them to, to help, you know, create these or make these things come to life. Yeah. Um, as your personal projects is where you really get to do your own thing. Or when you go and you're just sent to take a portrait of somebody or go and somebody gives you a product and say, you know, can you shoot that for us? Then you can get stuck into it. I used to do magazine covers for a local Brighton magazine called The Source magazine, which has just gone to online now, but they let me have free reign. And every month I'd have a band or, you know, whether it's The Falls or whether it's another band and you can do whatever you wanted with them, which was awesome. And I love that, you know, when you get that whole process from product, they just hand you something, you've got to come up with concept and execute it and deliver it. But the bigger ones with those massive brands in it, you don't really get let loose because right. there's too much at stake. There's a like, you know, there's a shoot with twenty people on it in right, a studio yeah, yeah. for three days, yeah. and then two of them are stills, and then one's filming. So you can, there's too much at stake for them to let you run riot. So, would you prefer working with smaller brands or larger? Um, I like working with both. They both have a little chance. Like Dawson, for example, I've worked with them since they started, and yeah. I love that Dawson Denim. It's just yeah. such a good brand. Yes, they are. And they kind of come out the gate running. They, they, they started this whole denim apron thing before anybody else was touching it. You know, old yeah. school denim aprons. Now everybody jumped in the bandwagon, but they just, you know, they did what a good brand does, and they're small enough to flex and twist, and then they went into jeans and then jackets, and, then, and now they've got a whole range. And there's really lovely Kelly Dawson, who is obviously, the, you know, the head of that yeah. whole thing. She's a fantastic, lovely woman. And just she's got real good vision. 
And a brand that size is so easy to work with because you're just sitting right next to the client. There's yeah. no people in between us. And they give me so much latitude with what I want to do. So, for example, the last film that we did, yeah. Cloth to Clover, that yeah. was, we're just sitting and I was like, do you know what, I'm watching you guys making these, how long does it take you to make a pair of jeans? And I'm like, well, probably about a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, what's the process? And obviously I'd seen the process yeah. when I filmed it years back. But this time I thought, do you know what, that's so interesting. And not very many people know that. Not very many people know all these things that you have to do. And I'm a fan of the noises that everything made. Yeah. Because, it's, you know, every machine has its own noise. Yeah. Every machine does its own thing. So there's one just for seaming down the back of the bum. There's one for turning up. There's one for the belt loops. Yes. And all these little things have got their own noises. And this, this kind of beauty of the space as well, I kind of wanted to get that all in the film. So that, that for me was great working with that wee brand. And the... the they use old machines, so they've, they've got vintage machines in there. So every machine that we used, we kind of put a dictionary definition up of. Well, it, it was a kind of gateway thing to start putting dictionary definitions up. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody hasn't seen it. Basically, we went through the whole process from drawing the genes through to making them. And in one big film, we just showed all the little stages. And then at each stage, I put a dictionary definition up, for example, pen and what the pen is used for and paper. And that just allowed me to then go on and describe machines on screen without having to do a voiceover or anything. So, for example, you've got these really old 1920s or 1930s machine and you can put a bit of text up that looks like a dictionary definition. But what it does is allow us to explain the age of the machine, what it does, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it was so beautifully done. It was really, really beautifully done, and um, it was. Um, and you're right because every single machine has its own noise. Um, yeah. You know, every single machine. I mean, even when you're, um, when I was actually, you know, when I'm making stuff, um, like even in um, uni or even when I was at working in the factories, and they were making jackets and all that stuff, and you could hear even the um, presses. There's a machine that you know when you actually put a whole jacket on the press machine, right? It's like a body presser and it just does this amazing noise right where it vacuums the whole um jacket out and it gets all the crease line that but it's very old machine right but the noise on that machine and you look at this jacket just comes to life (laughs) it's like like a process of like you know this noise and you just watch this jacket come into life but you're absolutely right every machine even paper and pen has the noise as well, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, very is, much. Yeah, exactly. That was something I was really aware of with that film. So every yeah. shot that we took, I had a micro, big boom mic right as close to the things as I could possibly get without being in frame yeah. to capture that noise and let it be quite loud in the mix when, we came, when I came to edit it. Because it just adds to it, you know, and it is part of it. It gives it that kind of not only mechanical, but as people work in these machines, you know, they're, they're as, kind of as handmade as much as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favourite at the moment? What's the favourite contact you've done so far? Oh, it's always just the last one. It just moves. It's like a sand dune, isn't it? I think you can you can dwell on stuff and then you'll just end up hating it, I think. Yeah, no, Is that's an artist, way? isn't it? That's just not every yeah. artist, I think. Every time you, you get excited about something and once you start it, you're very excited and then you've done it and then afterwards you leave it and you're thinking, oh, you know. Yeah, you see the cracks, don't you? Yeah, you see the cracks and you're thinking, 
Yeah. I, I think it goes through phases. You get this point where you do the work and then you're out and you're like, wow, I want to look at that again. I want to look at that again. Oh, yeah, let's look at that. And you get that real kind of hunger for seeing the results that you've created. So you're, the concepts come to life and then it's out there and you, you like looking at it. And then I feel like, oh, all right, okay, I'm seeing the problems with this. So I don't like looking at it for a while. And then about six months later, you look at it again and go, oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> It's, a cycle. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a one thing is it's just like i normally when i do a design it's like oh yeah i like that i like that and then after i think within two days it's like oh, i can't stand it <laughs> i can't stand yeah. it it's like uh restart yeah. again all over again yeah, please, that's, you know that's just, that's classic that, that's classic i mean if i think back to all the projects i've done like from being a submarine to you know, being on top of a mountain and, and all these different things. There's yeah. something charming about all of them. But I don't think you can, I don't, can't really pick one, I don't reckon. I think it's always, if I was to say anything, it's just the last project you ever do. Right. It's the one that's favourite. Do you, have you ever come across a lot of women in menswear? Um, yeah, actually I do. I, I mean, I think behind the curtain, there's always, you know, it's all mixed sex. It's all people doing lots of different things like yeah. I do a lot for Gresham Blake who's a tailor based in yeah. Brighton in London yeah. and um, Steph Simmons is his uh, head designer so you know she's there at his back designing stuff and it's you know it's going out under a Gresham Blake label which is you know that's the brand that he's built up but you know there's, there's always women behind it and his wife Val Blake she you know he always says to me he makes the trousers she wears them and she you know, runs the business basically <laughs> Well, the the kind of, hey, really, he's laughed at the light Gresham he's fantastic to work with so kind of fun I mean we just do a bunch of um, music videos with him under this um, shakeable gel okay. so he's got a kind of shakeable gel thing which is basically a combination of a bunch of different musicians that he knows and works with and they make music and then obviously we make videos for that music and then the music videos Gresham styles all the people so it's a kind of nice way of getting um, PR out there for his clothes as well as you know starting a record label or a band I suppose and what's your favourite um, photographer Kenny any favourite photographers film content person yeah I mean it's going to be quite obvious, I suppose, but Annie Leibovitz has always been one of my favourites right. since I started seeing her work. Just like, I mean, she's not necessarily fashion, but then you could say she is. Um, just because of her, she's always pushed the boundary before anybody else. And you see so many, if I look through lots of Instagram posts of people, a yeah. vast majority of people that try and put any class into their images or try to make their images look quite, you know, polished and clean, and they're all ripping her off. And that, I always think that's a good sign of somebody that's good when people rip her off or rip them off. Yeah. I'd say she's my favourite photographer, really. She always has been. And um, film director, anyone who you... Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, where did you go there? But I just listened to this podcast with um, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Okay. And <laughs> He is out there, man. He is properly doesn't give an absolute shit about anything. I know, you know what come before. He doesn't. It's just like what could have come before, right? Everybody goes, oh yeah, you know this, and he just, ah, you know, he's like Bruce Lee shit. <laughs> and that's like, whoa, wait a minute, Bruce Lee, okay. And then he's got all these points, and they're like, actually, he's got a point. So it's like I, I just love he's out. He's he's just cool, man. You know, he just 
does I'll what be, he wants to do and gets away with it. I, I mean, can you imagine me interviewing him? He probably just shred me to bits. <laughs> just like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he said, but, you know, I'd he said like, I like, wouldn't stop laughing, actually, if I did interview yeah. him, you know? I mean, I think you've got to know your stuff. You know, you really got to know his stuff. He's got like an encyclopedic yeah. knowledge of slasher films and you yeah, know, all these references I mean, that he brings into his work. I'll probably I mean, have to do a degree on it. <laughs> yeah, you could, honestly. Like, he's just got such a back... Because he works in a video store. So all he did oh, okay. was watch, watch, watch videos. Films. But he's yeah. got that mind where he dissects the shit out of everything. And he's just... He doesn't hold back. And, you know, and you see it in his film. You can see all these references that he's brought in. And all these influences and the things he liked and the things he doesn't like. Or, you know, he talks about stuff very passionately. And he also has a reason for everything that's in the film. So if you're looking at it for something that's quite... You can go to Scorsese and all these people that have done all these amazing big films. But I think in terms of just genre bursting, you're not right, going to get yeah. any better. We're not so far. How do you think menswear is going at the moment? I mean, I know you're, you've done quite a bit of menswear photography and all that stuff. How do you think it's going? Has it changed from what you did a few years ago till now? Um, yeah, I, I think what's changed more than anything is models, really, the models' perception of stuff. Right. Like, especially male models. Okay. They now know, they're now really leaning into this cross-gender, not giving a shit type stuff. Right. And, you know, before people would, like, say, okay, we're going to dress you and we're going to make you androgynous and whatnot. Yeah. And they wouldn't lean right into it. You'd have some kind of, all right, yeah, cool, I'm cool with that, yeah, fine. But you know fine well that they're just cool with it. They're not into it. And what I've found out is, like, there was a little guy we used the other day, um, a guy called Del, and he's a young model, and he was just like, we were talking about a project that's coming up, which is a kind of gender-bending project. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'd love to get involved in that. Totally brilliant. Yeah, I'm bang up for any of that. And it's like that whole perception is, is really cool. Where it, you know, there's there's a lot of openness yeah. uh, coming from the people that are in front of the camera, as well as, obviously, the people that are behind the camera. So I think, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because everything goes round and round in circles. Yeah, of course And it, it always has done. Yeah. And I think at the moment we're kind of, everything's quite big and baggy and there's all these colours and it's all very vibrant colours. Yeah. And I think at some point that's going to whip on itself it's and tighten up and become very muted. It's funny how you moment, say that. You know, it's actually. definitely a quite What's that? It's funny how you say that because I, I interviewed a um, tailor designer called Charlie Allen. And, okay. and he said the same thing. He actually said, oh, and I said, what's the difference between menswear now than it was before the pandemic? And he said, colour. He literally said, men yeah. are wearing more colour. And I'm thinking, I can see that, actually. And I don't know if you know Drake's as well. Um, Drake's oh, yeah. men's. Um, I went into their store recently, uh, about, about a few weeks back, and it was literally colour. It was so yeah. much colour. I mean, great that you're... That you guys are wearing colour now. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. But hey, exactly. we got there at the end. It's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. I like wearing colour, you know. It's like I've got uh, mind you, I'm, I'm Scottish, right? So I'm generally so quite right. <laughs> you know? But yeah. um he actually Nietzsche said what you just said, and it's like, well, that's good because you know, finally we're gonna see more men wearing colour. Um because a lot yeah. of because a lot of men used to find it quite I don't know. Was it something that was quite hard for them to wear, or they didn't think it was it was right for them? Um, I don't know why men never used to wear color. And as a designer, I have no idea why they never used to wear color. What? What? Yeah. 
when you actually start with the creativity side of it, when you actually do the photo shoots and all that stuff, do you presume that you do some research, do you, or do you plan it, or how do you just go about it? Yeah, I, I start with location, because location will dictate a lot. So, yeah, this uh, brand, which was all these like really kind of heavily coloured scarves and prints, yeah. um, so for that shoot, the first thing protocol was to try and find a location and looking at what was on his products or what was printed on the products was like really colorful, like palm trees and all sorts of stuff like that. So straight away, I went, right, greenhouse, let's find a, an old greenhouse somewhere. Oh, nice. And we can shoot it in there, which is exactly what I'm in the process of doing. So once we get the location and then you can start working out what the story will put behind the shots and how we'll shoot it, how we'll light it, who will be in the clothes when right. it's male, female, or across or both. Okay. Wow. So again, that's what it starts with me. So that's actually a process that we're, well, we started just kind of partway through the pandemic, so we're wanting to get it rolling, but we keep, it's like ships in the night trying to get this project started, but I think it'll be a really nice one when we get it going. How long does it take for the shoot? To, is it like from morning to, uh, to night, or how long do you take? Well, in an ideal world, I would shoot... <laughs> Super early in the morning okay. and then stop and then shoot as the sun goes down. I'd try and do the golden hours. That would be if I'm exterior, but a greenhouse is a funny one because I don't know yeah. actually if it's better it's to be. just light it myself or whether to wait for this golden hour. What's your favourite music in a sense? Um, I have got a whole, I've got a really kind of, it's a cross section of music. I don't, my favourite music is good music, regardless of genre. Right. And do you so like, do you ever have? Um, I normally right when I'm actually designing or anything. I normally hear kind of the music I want to listen to when I'm designing, and it's really weird because I was speaking to someone else, uh, um, who Heather Marvin, and she was saying the same thing. And she was saying once you hear the story in your not the story, the sound of music in your head, and suddenly you start doing their story towards your design. And I thought I, I thought I was the only one who does that. And she does yeah. it as well. But it's suddenly you get all these music in your head and you're thinking and it's and you start going into this different dimension, different world that you forget about this world. You go into this amazing world where you're actually creating. Is it a bit like that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, you got I make a lot of music videos. So okay. I've got to work on the opposite way where I get, well, very much similar. So I'll get the music, put it in the headphones and then imagine what's going on in this whole environment that your music creates. And yes, it's much like that, you know, if I, if I am being creative, if I bought a wine and some good albums on and just sit with whatever it is I've got to shoot and have a thought process about it, sketch some stuff down, um, write some stuff down. I think like for me, yeah. if I can, the more I can put down before a shoot, the more comfortable I feel on a shoot, which means right. the better, better results you get. Kenny, um, fashion or style for you? Fashion or, say that again? Fashion or style, because you know how we actually say style is far more important than fashion. For yeah. you, is it the yeah. same thing? Would you say when you're doing the photography on fashion, do you think, can you see the, you know, from the lens, can you see the style much more than fashion? Yeah, I think that comes 100% style, um, and that's down to the people that wear it. If you've got somebody into something and they're not leaning right into it 100%, somehow mm -hmm. it, it's something like unknown gizmo in the universe it will look crap but if you've got somebody that can wear crap clothes and lean right into it 
and just go with it, then it and wear it with super confidence, then it just you know it looks amazing. You know, I just think it's like it, it's a it's a no brainer that one. Have you got a style icon at all? Do you feel like in menswear? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's put me on the spot there. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's not something I could pinpoint out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to see anybody off the top no. of my head. Okay, no worries. Um, that's fine. I'll let you go off, off on that one. Um, <laughs> what would you say to someone who wants to um, start doing um, what you're doing? Uh, don't buy kit, buy boots. Right. Right. Because I think like it doesn't matter what lens or what bit of kit you buy. Ultimately, until you know what you want to shoot, yeah. then that's a wasted money. So if you get books and look through photo books and get inspired and, and have a look at what other people have done, and that will if that doesn't trigger you, then you, you shouldn't get into you shouldn't do it. Simple as that. So you'll you look through books, and then I tend to buy a lot of photography books because yeah. once you once you see an image, you're just like, right, okay, this is interesting. I love the cool aesthetics of that. You don't rip it off, but you pick little bits out of stuff, and you go, wow, right, I want to do something like that. And the next time you got a project, you think. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll use that little bit from there and this little bit from there, and then I'll add in a bit of that thing that I did in the last shoot, and then I'll have this new thing. So if you're going to do anything, get inspired first. So buy books, and then once you know what you want to do, then you'll find out what kit you need, not the kit you want to have. Right. And what about the struggling? I mean, you know, we've all struggled in our own ways. And, you know, a lot of people, um, I, I know that, you know, after the pandemic, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of us will, well, quite a few, a lot of people are struggling even now as we speak, yeah. even during the pandemic. How do you come across that where, you know, you're a creative person and you just don't, you shouldn't give up what you love doing? Yep. But, um, yeah, I what think. What would you it's... say to someone saying, you know, if they're coming to a point where they're saying, well, I can't do this anymore, I've got to, you know go out there and work uh, all the hours I can. Yeah. I mean, if you have to, you have to. There's nothing yeah. There's nothing wrong with having to take a different route for a little bit. But what I'll say is don't, never let go. If that's something you want to do, you will naturally come back to it anyway. And I think you have to do what you've got to do to survive. Um, and no matter what that is, you shouldn't ever feel really bad about that. I think if you've got to go and work in a bar or do whatever you need to do to survive, then... Bloody well do it. It doesn't mean you're not a photographer. It just means you're just putting some money in your pocket to carry on with your photography or whatever it is you want to do. I think you know, there's too much pressure put on people to yeah. always just be doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing Absolutely. and people are supposed to be seen to only do that one thing and that's it. I'm just a professional photographer. You can still be a professional photographer and work somewhere else. Exactly. You know, you have to you have to make ends meet, and doesn't matter how you do that. Doesn't mean your brains changed because you work kind of you know laying floors. It just means that you're you you have to do it because it's a dry spell. I mean, Christ, you know, I'm I'm like a pro. I've been doing this for ages, and I still have dry spells. And you think, do you know what? I might have to go and lay some floors or do something other. It's just the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, um, I like the way you've just said that because it's so true. Um, we've all struggled. We all are struggling, and I would say that I've, I'm struggling as well. So, but it doesn't mean that I will give up what I love yeah. doing. But I will do something else on on in between because you have to, right? Um, 
to pay yeah. the bills, to pay this, to pay that. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You know, um, the fact that you're saying that keep the passion, would you say the same thing? Keep the passion and just carry on doing what you love. But at the same time, if you have to do something else, please do so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you're going you, to, once you find the thing that you love doing, it doesn't matter how much hardship you go through or how crap everything is. You still want to do it. We all love breathing, for example, right now. This yeah. is a really extreme example. <laughs> We're not going to stop breathing because of that. Well, you know, it's really hard to breathe. It's just like it, if you find something that is like breath to you, you're not going to stop. You're not going to stop. You might have a hiatus and do something else that you have to do, but you just you keep doing it because it is a passion, as you say. You know, and a passion something that you're not going to forget about exactly. or just go, well, that was nice to try that, wasn't it? You're going to go, I want to do that more, regardless. Exactly. And it is one of the things I've had. I remember starting out and having some really crap shoots, which I'm thinking, wait a minute, is this really what I want to do? And, and my results are rubbish and I've messed up here and it's so stressful. And but then you hit that little vein every so often. You're like, wow, look what I did. Look what they did. Look what we did together. Uh, and that's you know, once you get that, it's like a drug. You're not, you're not stopping. Have you ever come across where you've done a really bad shoot and you just think, I'm going to try and save this because I can't be bothered <laughs> to <laughs> redo done, this shoot again? I've done loads of shoots that you're not happy with and you just think, oh, my God, but <laughs> you've got to do it either for money or for whatever. And you're like, why am I doing this? And you question yourself so much because – you have to do the, the job. If you want to do this, you're going to have to take the good and the bad. It's not just all nectar that you're yeah, going exactly. to get from this. You have to <laughs> take some bitter, bitter pills as well. And it is, you know, you do what you, should, you just think, well, this is really soul-destroying. I'm doing this. But just understand that Round the Corner is a personal project that will give you all that kind of, you know, utopia that you need. All that kind of, wow, yeah, this is amazing. What's your... what's been the most favourite that you've done so far? Shoes wise, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I actually the last Dawson Denham shoot that I did, um, because they just let me go at it and they gave me a couple of models and and I come up with this idea about this kind of Badlands esque story, really, but very loose story where these two rob a bank or potentially rob a bank. You never see anything of it, but the backstory is that that kind of little. Bonnie and Clyde runaways right. all in denim picking around this kind of landscape which is slightly industrial slightly you know, oceanic slightly um, quarry-like Americana type vibe and they just let me go with it and I loved it you know it was great a couple of days just shooting right wow and what's the future Kenny for yourself where would you like to be on the next move of, of shoot in the country or I've started doing well I direct as well so I'm a director okay. a photographer and a director of photography so I've just started doing a bit of kind of you know narrative films so short films where I'm either director of photography okay or a director and then I've got into a bunch of scripts so people are sending me scripts that I'm reading and I think I'm going to go that direction but what I quite I want to do if you think of um have you seen uh, how am I not going to remember this name when I need to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tom Ford's film. Yeah. Uh, was it the Single Man? Single Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Single Man. 
So that aesthetic, the clothes, the film, everything about it was incredible. You know, mm-hmm. I think if if I was to aim anywhere to do narrative film and have that much detail on the fashion, the styling, the interiors, the what the house looked like, the cars, yeah, that would be for me. That would be my goal. Really, I would love to go there. I mean, I was more fascinated by the clothing actually. Incredible, wasn't it? It was incredible clothing. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the shows though, um, like Burberry, how they, you know, during the pandemic, how the show's been directed. Menswear, men's fashion shows. And it's really clever how they've done it. Like, it's like, you know, it felt like you were actually there with the camera. Um, It was very, very clever how they moved the camera around and how they actually. You know, there's no one there basically on the, you know, at the you know, but you felt like you were there, and it was a very, yeah, very, very clever way of moving the camera in certain angles, in certain way right. when the model came. So, have a look. It's it's fascinating I will, I will because, because um, um, Burberry and um, I'll send you the link of the ones because my friends were sending it to me and um, it was fascinating actually. And um, I was asking a friend of mine, do you think? Is that the next step? Like no one at the catwalk show, it's just the cameras and the models, and it's just going to be, you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be like a film kind of thing. And she said, um, it would be it would be great, but you know, a catwalk needs people there because there was no celebrities, (laughs) there was no one there, just the models, music, camera, and just the way they were directing the way the angle of the cameras were working. And it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. It's like, wow, this is the future. But apparently it's not yeah. going to be it because they are going to go back to having the catwalks with people and celebrities there. Um, well, that's, <laughs> that's it. almost like an endorsement, isn't it, having somebody in that front row? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything to it. Um, on that note, I'd just like to say thank you, Kenny, for your time because I know you're, you're really busy at the moment. And um, thank you so much for coming on Menswear by a Woman podcast. Um, very, very no grateful. And hopefully, hopefully we'll meet up. And I need, I mean, some of your work is absolutely beautifully done. Um, well, beautifully. And I love it. Thank you. Well, you know, thank you. I mean, I've not the most, like... <laughs> <laughs> I've not been immersed and fully in the world of menswear, so I kind of flip around. So I don't think I was as deep into it as you p- potentially could have had from no, no, somebody you else. Were. But I'm glad I'm it was, sure it was useful were. stuff. There was loads of useful stuff that you was mentioning about menswear, so you have been. So oh. and some of the, um, you know, I only the way I got in touch with you was by seeing that film, Dawson's um, Jeans film, and it was like beautifully done. And you captured every moment, and I'm just. And I said, I sent it to a friend of mine as well, which they sent it to other friends. I said he's captured it so well, like the the sound of the machines, the sound of the paper, the sound of the pen, how a designer starts, and it was like it was beautifully done. So you kind of captured it. So well done on that. I shot that on actually. I shot that on anamorphic lenses, which is like a cinema lens. Wow. Right. Okay. And it felt oh, like that's... it, actually. Um, but, you know, like the wording, like, you know, a lot of people think, you know, when you start doing designing, that's it, you just start. But it's not. There's a lot of things involved in designing. <laughs> so research yeah. and everything. And you kind of said it, you know, when you when the pen hits the paper, 
you know, and then yeah. you start telling the story because sometimes when you start doing all the design work on paper, you actually get lost because yeah. you're in a different yeah, element. It's like with yourself with the camera behind yeah. the lens yeah. and you just go into a totally different place, you know? So, yeah, I'm always, I mean, that's the thing I think on Friday, I nearly came a cropper from that because once I put the viewfinder up to my eye, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm walking around the studio and my assistants are always keeping an eye on me because they'll just walk right over fences or straight over stands or in like through doors and I'm just oblivious to it because it's just like snap snap yeah look over there do this and you get really kind of lost in the moment to the point of you you just you get don't lost really don't you your own life. yeah and you basically just get so it's like when I'm sure a lot of creative people do that when they start putting music on and they start creating you just on a totally different zone and you forget yeah. where you you forget about paying the bill yeah, 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 exactly. There's nothing better than that. When you're on a shoot and you've got good music on, you've got a good crew around yep. about you, you've got good makeup, good hair, good styling, good clothes you. and good models, your job's done, you know. If you don't make a good shoot out of that, then you shouldn't be doing it. Because <laughs> no. actually, like, having a good, like, somebody, a stylist on set is worth the weight in gold, you know, and particularly when you're mixing different brands yeah. and getting that right is not easy. And it's something that everybody else had so many photographers that, oh, yeah, you know, my stylist cost a fortune. I'm like, actually, guys, you know what? Without them, your shoot would be crap. You know, it really <laughs> is. It's so important. And it, I can't, I can't, you know, you get a good one and you're just like, oh, my God, you're the gold dust. You're coming everywhere with me. And it just makes all the difference. And, you know, hair and makeup, you know, you can take a model and they're a blank canvas. And, yeah. I, you know, every, nine times out of ten, the strangest people walk up to set and you're like, wow, you're, hi, you're the model. Yeah, okay, cool. And then they come in and then you come out and you're like, oh, my God, you're such a fantastic canvas. And that is it, you know. Yeah. It's like everything, models turn up and they're a canvas for clothes, makeup, hair, the light that you've put on them. And it's all that together that creates this end product. And you're just like, well, this is, you know, teamwork, basically. Basically. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Teamwork. Absolutely. You know, thank you. Thank you once again, Kenny. Thank you so much for coming no, no, on board. No and hopefully in a few months time, I would love to invite you back again and to find out what you're doing and where you're going and what's happening. So hopefully. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Thank you.